Welcome, everyone, to the Daily News. Usually we have music here. Marshall Ferguson at TSN underscore Marsh. <laughs> he is uh, Mike Daly at Daily News 8. Why don't we have music? That's because we got a very nice DM this week, Mike, that came in from Kevin's CFL Musings. Okay. He said, hey, Marshall, I hope you and your family are doing well. I listened to the Daily News podcast you guys did with Vernon Adams Jr. yesterday. And remember you mentioning something about the music being copyrighted and YouTube taking your money for it. <laughs> I'm a longtime musician and been working on producing for the last 18 months or so. I'd love to send you over some music free of charge that you can use on the Daily News podcast. Okay. So Shout out. So, and he turned it around like you wouldn't believe. So we have two options here to go forward with the daily news <laughs> intro music. Okay. And I'm going to play these. Live. We're going to play these from Mike. Mike hasn't heard these. I haven't heard these, but thank you to Kevin for sending these over. Here's well, the, hope, here's hopefully the, one of them's good then. <laughs> <laughs> They're both bad. Oh boy. Here's but the Kevin, first, I trust you. But. The first option. Here we go. Let's see. Let's see. very intense yeah yeah it's gonna get the heart rate going a little bit yeah Yeah. this this feels like one of those things that uh that is playing like over a defensive highlight reel where it's just every time the beat drops somebody gets destroyed by mike daly at free safety (laughs) oh oh, we got what are are these okay so that's the first option uh and then Uh here is the alternative option the second option for you Bells are good. Love a love a good bell. Love a clock. Ooh, piano. This one wins. This one, yeah. I was gonna say it too. I was gonna let it play a little bit. The birds in the background are kind of nice touch, but some bells, a, piano, birds. Yeah, bells, piano, birds. I mean, you could do a lot worse. <laughs> hey, who would have thought? There we go. Let's just enjoy. Yeah, it for that a works. We can we can let this ride without having to talk because YouTube's not gonna take our money. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, what money? See, <laughs> I have no money to take. Whoa. Oh, piano solo. Sensual. All right. Thank oh, you. Background Kevin. used to play piano growing up, so that kind of hits hard. Really? Yeah. Yeah, not good anymore. I know one song. One song that I practiced a bunch doing a recital, and that was it. I used to hate going. Oh, my gosh. What, uh, what was the one song? I could. You, nobody would know what it was called. Really? Yeah, it's just a random See, piano I, song, Irish I, dance song. Irish dance song. When I when I was in high school, I took a percussion class, and we had to learn the piano chords in order to play the xylophone. And I remember, think I know, I went to like a super cool gotcha. artsy, artsy school. Uh, but I remember, same thing, learning one song and one song only, and it was not my humps. In case you're wondering, because I. Actually, <laughs> I I accidentally teed that up like Will Ferrell in Blades of Glory. Uh, but this was uh, Augustana. I remember that they had a jam that had a piano bit in it. And for some reason, our teacher was like, let's be cool and hip. And we'll like go with the, with the thing the kids like. And they gave it to us. And now if I am out in public and there's like a grand piano sitting in the, the main lobby of a hotel, I'll be like, mm, saddle up to the, the ivory and yeah. sit there and I'll play it based off of memory. Can still play it. And then someone's like, wow, do another one. I'm like, no. That's it. That's all I got. One trick pony. <laughs> yeah, it's all over. Uh, yeah. Before we get to our interview this week, it is with Dane Evans. Extremely excited for you to be able to hear this. Uh, world-class dude. I think so much of him as a quarterback. I'm, I'm excited for people to listen to this. We did want to uh, talk a little bit about the draft because uh, it went down as we're recording this on uh, a couple days uh, after the draft. Uh, just an interesting series of moves early in the day i was at cfl headquarters getting set to do the global draft and we're getting word that the first overall pick is going to be moved by edmonton so chris jones Dugor simon in edmonton they move out of the one spot they move back to four the night before they had moved into the eighth spot so then they end up with the fourth pick and the eighth pick the ticats didn't have a pick until 17 winnipeg because of their move getting Cam Lawson with Montreal had swapped out from the ninth spot. So Montreal then had the first and the ninth. And it was 
It was like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah. Mike, it, I don't remember is, seeing that much movement. It's radio silence jobs. for three months on these things. And then it's all, all of these execs. I find it so not, not even funny. It's just interesting that it's so quiet. It's so calm. We have our board set. We're not going to do anything. And some teams stick to that. And other teams are like, we have our board set. We're calm. We know what we want. And then it's like their alarm goes off at 6 a.m. on draft day. And it turns into the movie draft day. <laughs> you know what I think it is? I think it's off season. So nobody wants to do anything. <laughs> and then when it starts getting closer to the draft, you have like, your draft guys doing yeah. stuff, you know, getting the prospects. But the ones that are making the decisions at the end of the day, some of them are working all the way up. And I think what a lot of it is just people want time off. And then all of a sudden the draft comes around like, oh, shit, you got to start doing some stuff. And it just happens to all come to fruition day of the draft. But I yeah, think well, people are just taking vacations. Speaking of you uh, being real with it and saying people are taking vacations, it's also, I talked to somebody at the East West Bowl practices this week who said, I wish we could have just traded all of our global picks, not because we don't believe in the global program, but because we couldn't be at the East West Bowl combine because it was happening at the same time as the global draft. And we were trying to, figure out country codes to call dudes in Brazil in order to confirm that they were going to come if we were going to select them to training camp. So oh it's like, gosh. it's like the overlapping of the East West bowl, which for those that don't know is the 2023 CFL draft class. You want to be able to see those guys testing in person, get a sense for the way that they move, get down some of your early assessments of them. So you can go back into the film as an evaluator in the off season. And, see, and they couldn't do that because they're like trying to figure out how to get a hold of dudes in I don't like like I say Mexico Brazil otherwise so uh, yeah and the personnel department isn't going to sleep for two weeks yeah. because everything's jam packed together which you know does thing do things go by the wayside or they, they get missed probably because they've been trying to do the global draft now and then now the actual draft and then right to east west and I mean after a while they're everybody looks the same you know what I mean so it's it's tough. I can relate to that. By the time we got to the eighth round last night, it was like you, you could have thrown a name at me and I'd be like, sure he's out. What, what time did that end? Because I was asleep. Uh, we, so it's funny, we got off air uh, at like midnight. And then when we went back to the green room, it was Jamie Rydell, who's the producer, myself, Dwayne Ford, Davis Sanchez, Farhan Lalji, and Farhan had to fly back to Vancouver, but not until the morning. Um, and we went back in the green room and we ended up just start like we started eating like there was leftover food and stuff. We started eating and then we just started watching Golden State against Memphis. And, yeah. we, and we were just awestruck by Ja Morant against Steph Curry. And we ended up staying in the building until like 1230. And then I actually drove. I had to drive back to Hamilton. So I didn't get back until like 1:30, And I was so tired after doing early morning drive in Toronto traffic commuting in global draft drive to TSN headquarters prep all day do the show for four or five hours uh by the time that I was driving home I had 90 kilometers of gas in my tank when I left TSN headquarters and by the time that I got to Burlington it said zero and I and I just kept driving because I was like I don't care like I just want to <laughs> I want to be home. it was the most right now I'm just gonna sleep most right reckless here. thing I've ever done it was like I literally saw it get under five Four, three, two, one, zero. Well, hope we get home. Learned <laughs> so, a lot about your car. Yeah, exactly. I was, <laughs> I was like, and thankfully, I like I feathered the throttle the whole way down, uh, you know, Highway Six to be able to get in everything. But, uh, but anyways, I digress from the draft. The the moving and shaking in this draft was interesting. It feels like Edmonton probably wanted to get themselves a very multiple player. They get Enoch McConzo again. People I talked to at East West said. Uh, probably the best football player in the draft, not necessarily a tester, but he can play a variety of different positions for you for Edmonton to get him at fourth overall was really great. Uh, Tyrell Richards goes first overall linebacker that's going out of Syracuse to uh, the Montreal Alouettes. But the one that I just I wanted to bounce around for a second here with you is uh, Trey Ford. I always felt all along that he he was first round material. And I think a lot of people agreed with that. And Edmonton was actually rumored early in the day to want both Tyrell Ford and Trey Ford in the first round at fourth and eighth. Mm. Might've been a bit of a smokescreen because they had that on the board available to them and they didn't right. take Tyrell. They took Enoch McConzo, but they did go with Trey Ford at eighth overall. And 
for a Canadian quarterback from a U sports school to get drafted that high is pretty special. But at the yeah. same time, I got real nervous when I saw that it was Edmonton, when I saw that it was Chris Jones, because Trey deserves to play quarterback. And I don't know how much room Chris Jones is going to give Trey Ford to figure out how to play professional football before he says, hey, I gave you your three, five days in training camp. I don't see it. Congrats. You're a corner because your, yeah. your brother's athletic enough to be a corner and you run the same athletic testing score. So you should just go learn it. It's like that concerns me because he deserves a real true opportunity to like Nathan Rourke on BC. Yeah. And I think there's so much competition and it's right now with Chris Jones coming in, that's an absolute wild card over there. Right. Because you have our buckle, you have all the new guys that run the JT Barrett. Right. And now got- Trey's put it. Like Khalil yeah. Tate, Kai Loxley, uh, Mike Beaudry is another Canadian that's at Idaho. They've got like seven or eight quarterbacks coming onto the roster. Trey's not going to be the starter. So they have to split up their reps now in training camp to determine who is the starter. Do we keep Nick Arbuckle? Do we go JT Barrett? Is Khalil Tate good enough for us to both? And oh, by the way, we also have to figure out whether or not Trey Ford is going to be a quarterback or going to transition to another spot on the roster. That doesn't seem like there's enough reps to determine any of those things, because if you're splitting them to try and get all of those answers, you're going to get none of them. No. And there's too many, too many new quarterbacks to this game, right. That are going to be there. So you need to get those guys reps. If you truly think that they're going to be your starter, they need to get a majority of reps in camp. So that narrows, whatever that competition of eight, nine guys, you have to narrow that down quickly, quickly to three, right? Because you can't, you can't, you simply don't have enough reps over the camp. Now camp is long. Yes, but you got to get ready for preseasons. Right. And like you said, how can you evaluate when you're getting five reps a day and that's it when you have that many people. So yeah, I, I look at it and I go, I get nervous that they might try to move Trey, right. They might give him a shot for a little bit and then halfway through be like, Hey, go try this position out. And Trey being the guy he is, he's going to go do it. He's going to go try it. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I was surprised too. I was definitely yeah. surprised that he went there. And like I said, for whoever's there during training camp, it's going to be a very interesting story to watch to see who's getting these reps, how many reps they're getting, and if it truly is a competition of everybody or only really two, three guys. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you about here, Mike, is the uh, the Ticats trade to go and get an offensive lineman and Kyle Saxley. And I, there was a great quote from Orlando Steinauer on Ticats.ca where he said, sometimes when the things that you covet are not available in the draft, you have to make a bold move. And as soon as I saw this trade come through and I started reading into it, I'm like, okay, they can go with probably Woodmancy and giving it right guard, Van Zyla right tackle, Alex Fontana signs in free agency, he'll play center, Revenberg is your all-star left guard, Saxel has played tackle. Saxel has got a, a tackle body. It screams to me five Canadians across the board on the offensive line. And the thing that I really read into with this is like, yes, Jesse Gibbon did play tackle in his time in university, but they obviously deemed, despite the fact he was a second overall pick, that if they can get Kyle Saxlid, who's a proven commodity that's played in the CFL for an eighth overall selection, they were more than willing to do that because that solves the issue of, do we go with Gibbon? Wow, we're not sure. Could Woodmancy do it? Wow, we don't really think so. He's more of a guard. Do we go Kayoka for it? Wow, we didn't really like the way that turned out last year. It's like those questions are gone, and they did that just by being able to make a trade. I thought, I thought it was bold, but I also thought that it was such a smart decision for them to just say, listen, this is a glaring weakness of our roster, a roster that you've been a part of. We're done with this being a weakness. Like, let's just go solve this and be done with it. Yeah, and I think... I think it's a fantastic move. When I saw it, I said, this makes so much sense because in the draft, uh, it's any draft. Mm-hmm. It is so tough to determine what these guys will pan out as, right. right? Like you talked about the Tyrell Richards versus the Enoch, right? Tyrell is an athletic freak, right? Tested well, did all that kind of stuff. But you talk about Enoch being the best football player. That's always the battle is, this, you know, you need a certain measurables to be able to play there, but you need to be a good football player to last, right? And to be able to figure things out. What the Ticats did with their trade to get the old lineman and that special teams kid, Grant yeah. McDonald, Grant McDonald yeah. who is a sneaky good pickup because you're talking about two guys that have already proven themselves. 
So now you don't have to do this guessing game with these picks and you're solving problems that every team has. We need good Canadian special teams players that are proven, right? Especially bigger body guys, which he is, Grant McDonald is. And getting an old lineman. Now, will they go five? I don't think so. No. I don't think they'll go five alignment. But what you always need is you always need backups. You look at what happened last year with Van Zyl. When he went down, it was scramble mode. Oh, yeah. Right? So now when you get – when you have a, a locked-in starter at certain positions, right? You look at Rev. You look at Van Zyl. These guys are locked-in starters. You need quality backups, especially when it's coming to a long season again. You can't have that same issue. So I think what they're doing is they're like – okay, we're going to get all these proven guys, whoever comes out as first string to start, that's what's going to be it. But then once people start getting hurt, look at this. Now we have depth. Now we're not scrambling. Now these guys can go in. Now we can play another tight end package, whatever it may be. Right. That's, I think that's what they're doing. And they just essentially spent their picks on young guys that are proven and that'll be around for a while. So that's as good as a draft as you can get, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I would also like to thank uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats for the second uh, out of three years for giving me what's known in the mock draft community as an exacto. Uh, that's where you get the correct round, overall pick, and player uh, going to the correct team. I had Anthony Federico going 17th overall to the Queen's Guild. I leaned over to Dwayne Ford on the broadcast. I circled... <laughs> that, that I had him 17th overall on my little piece of paper yeah. that was my mock draft. I go, you familiar with an exacto? And he looked at me, he's like, I don't care. I do not care. <laughs> he's like, I don't do mock drafts. I do not care. Yeah. I, was like, I was like all impressed with myself. And I was like, fair enough. I and the go. only people that care about that, Marsh, are the four people that do mock drafts. <laughs> exactly, right? It's like, yeah, I was right. I was right. Yeah. I, I always you guys love... are idiots. I'm the best. Yeah. And it's, you know what I love about mock drafts? And I, I do joke about this because, yeah, it, being exactly right, if you are waving the flag of, look, I got it exactly right. Um, tell me about the other 73 picks. That you, that you didn't get right because yeah, that's that, that's always the the percentage of exact on that, but that's for me that's the funny part is that's why they're so rewarding because as somebody who does study this stuff throughout the winter my chest as soon as that pick is made is like well I do believe I did have that player and that's why I know everything that team. about this sport. yeah it, exactly it's like I could build a <laughs> roster this is easy and then you really but it's funny too because like um, Daniel Adebayo the running back from Bryant University goes to the Argonauts I think. 13th overall no he, he was probably the 10th pick uh, to start off the second round and as they're running the, the highlights and the clips of him you know i <laughs> the hamster is on the wheel in my head as Dwayne's talking and my brain is going you know come on marshall be so smart come on marshall like think of something think of something to talk about and i see how they're using him out of the backfield throwing all these little quick games and screens and stuff and i'm like oh my take is that they wanted to get the ball in space to him and I believe that I have it on my prep sheet. Where so I I mention it, I bring it up, and then I go back to my mock draft, and I'm like, I had him going to Ottawa at like 17. I'm like, idiot! Like obviously this was the fit. Obviously this was the where he was going to go. So uh, it was it was a bit of an adventure. But the CFL draft is uh, is over, and uh, it's time to start looking forward towards training camp here, as we do by sitting down with the quarterback, the quarterback, the man. <laughs> For the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Dane Evans. Here it is in all of its glory on the Daily News, right here on Canadian Football Perspective. Dane, what's going on? Danger, I should say. What's going on, buddy? The Great Dane, as Rod yeah. Black labeled him. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten a couple nicknames lately, but uh, no, not a lot, man. Just happy to be on here with two with you two guys. Looking forward to it. We appreciate you coming on, man. I know it's getting you know a little bit closer to camp and. You know, you're kind of winding down, I'd imagine, in training right now. Is that kind of how it's going? Yeah. So, like, weight-wise, it's a lot more of, like, uh, practical, preventative-type things. Obviously, keeping some strength um, in the core and lower body. Um, and then just a ton of throwing, which is, I mean, that's what I get paid to do. And that's what I love to do. So, this is always the most fun time for me. Um, just me with Tommy a lot, too. So, a lot of mental things going into it. So, it's been a good – it's been good. You're almost kind of right back into it, eh? Because you've been in Hamilton for a while now, throwing and stuff. So, I'd imagine for you, with like you said, meeting with Tommy and throwing with some of the guys. I actually saw that 
uh, Poppy was down and there's a bunch of guys coming to throw with you, which is, that's pretty cool. I was, we were on here with, with VA earlier in the last couple episodes and getting those guys together before camp is amazing. I mean, you, how often do you get that kind of, you know, face to face and, and working together? And, and I think it's pretty cool that a bunch of guys are doing that. Yeah, no doubt. And like, I've been telling people lately that I think this is the most guys that since I've been here that we've had American or Canadian already here. Um, and some guys have been here for months. Um, so yeah, Poppy just got up here this week. Um, was great to have him out there today. This was the first day we were on the field together and he looks fantastic. I mean, um, I actually gave him a ride home and asked him how he felt and he told me he was a little nervous about it. And I was like, what are you talking about? Dude, you look great. But you, I mean, you know, Poppy, that's just how he is very soft-spoken. Um, but yeah, no, it's been great. And like you said, there's only so many reps you can get at camp, right? Yeah. And everything's kind of on us on a schedule. Like you got 10 minutes here or whatever. So when we can go out there at a little bit slower of a pace and I can really see really how their bodies move in space, how they get in and out of breaks and we can start talking on the same page. They see things how I see it. I see it how they see it. And uh, I think that's really, you know, huge, especially in my position. Especially being able to carry over with Tommy from the meeting room in the offseason, and also being able to just go do it with a few of the guys. Like that's, you get that in season. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. in the offseason, like you said, you're already ahead of the game. But listen, I, I actually have to ask you something that okay. I think is unfair. And I saw some pictures today of okay. you guys well, no. throwing with Bobby and you're wearing a visor. <laughs> <laughs> Is this going to happen? Are you going to wear a dark Dude, visor? I can't believe how many people like people from back home, people from Tulsa, like everywhere have been texting me about it today or like on Instagram. And I literally just told Drew to put it on there that way before training camp, I don't have to go like Eric Dickerson and go like helmet and sunglasses like because it's it's been nice you know and I was like Drew if you had an extra dark visor could you just throw it on there and uh yeah he hooked it up and well of course we were indoors today but uh I was like you know what F it I'm gonna I'm gonna wear it um and so many people have responded to it but knowing myself it probably is not gonna stay on for training camp for the season but yeah, yeah there you I'm go. telling you man it's 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 brutal like it looks cool but I don't know I just I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Man, I'm I'm right there with you. Listen, I've tried to wear a visor for probably 80% of my career. Yeah. And it's always happened in training camp. I've worn it for maybe two days and I drop one pass. I'm like, ah, it's the visor. <laughs> it's yep. it's a visor. This screws me over. I, I can't wear this thing. It's going to screw me up. Yeah. But you know, that is funny. You brought it up as a safety because um, my best friend from back home, actually, right before I got on this, uh, text me. And I was like, bro, will they let you wear that as a quarterback? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, no one can see your eyes. He's like, they don't know where you're looking. And I was like, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But like, I told him the same story. I was like, I probably can't do it. But uh, he was just shocked that, you know, you were even able to do that. So. It's the most badass I've ever felt, Dane, is wearing a dark visor in practices at McMaster. Daly's the free safety on the other side. And I walk up to the line of scrimmage and I would literally just point my helmet down towards the ground center and just be doing this pre-snap the entire time. Just yeah. staring. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to the boundary here, but he thinks I'm staring at my shoes. And this is the coolest feeling on earth. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it. Definitely. It definitely helps with that. Um, but I can't do it. Biggest reason is I'm like, when I throw, sometimes I spit, sometimes sweat comes out <laughs> all just gets caught like on the windshield. And then you got to do the windshield yeah. wipers and yeah, it's all there. Bad. We go breaking <laughs> news on the daily news this week here, Mike, uh, yeah. when Dane Evans throws his face it's, explodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy stuff. happens. <laughs> well, and that's, it, it's funny because just like you said, I tried to wear an exhibition hit one guy. And sweat, pow, right yeah. on this. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I'm blind. I can't see for the rest yeah. of this drive. Yeah, all you can see there. is the beads on your thing, and you just don't look away from them. <laughs> hey, so kind of going on with that, you stuck around in the off season. How has that been for you? Because I know, you know, we talked to VA, we talked to Soli, we talked to Speedy about sticking around. We just talked to Tracy, who stuck around in Hamilton his entire off yeah. season. What's the big difference on you staying around here, you know, signing that new contract, 
back the Brinks truck up for you. I love it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but sticking, but sticking around doing all that kind of stuff. What's that been like? Cause I know you've always usually gone home. And, yeah. You know, there's a lot of resources for you at home, but for you to kind of invest in Hamilton and invest to being around Tommy and some of the guys that are here, yeah. what's that difference been like? It's been great. Honestly. Um, it was a little tough in January and February, just because of the winter, uh, you know, Nikki and me have never stayed up here. Um, and we decided we were going to do it this year. Uh, we didn't have a lease or anything in the United States. So we didn't want to like have two leases going, which is what we usually do. So we just, we really like the spot we're in now. Um, so we just decided to stay and there were definitely days in January and February when it was like super cold and snowing and we were like, what are we doing? But <laughs> obviously it, it's, it's been a great decision football wise, right? Like we have fantastic facilities up here. The coaches have basically been here the whole time. Um, so me and Tommy have met more than we ever have. Um, we already met a lot. So like that's or even more. Um, and then just like getting to be really more in the community and stuff like that. Cause you know how it is, man. Like during the season, there are definitely events that I would love to go to and, and just show my face and be there to support other people. But I mean, some days I'm not leaving the facility till 7 30 PM and I get there at 6 AM. You know what I mean? So it's like, mm -hmm. it's not realistic, but it's been great this off season to be able to put in like time in the community, time into my body, uh, things like that. And then also, the biggest reason staying up here was we're using the Canadian healthcare for our baby girl. So <laughs> yeah. we got our OHIP cards, and we're we're fully taking advantage of that. Awesome, and that's that's a a big thing that you're going to have to kind of navigate come this yeah. season, I'd imagine, because you're going to have your baby girl mid season. Yeah, right. And uh, I know we've talked about it a couple times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I, have you guys planned? On what you're going to do with that? Have you talked to the coaches about that? Well, uh, before, kind of figured before, out that whole plan? Before Dane answers this, and I, I know we could probably make this this whole own podcast episode, but Mike, your firstborn, for me, as the radio voice at that time of the Ticats, that was the craziest experience because I'm texting you all day long, 24 hours leading up to everything, what went down in Winnipeg. Give the, like I guess, succinct version of this so Dane can actually answer the question, but like you're talking about this from a place of experience where having yeah. having your firstborn child is an incredibly special experience and you went through it. So it's funny for me sitting here as your friend, listening to you ask it to him because I'm like, you know how tough this is. <laughs> yeah. My situation was a little different. I know Dane, we've talked about this before, yeah. but I, we were going to play in Winnipeg and my son was due. Like, so my wife went into labor on walkthrough day. So we were like, Oh man, like if he takes any sort of time, I'm, going to miss the game. And that was my decision. I'm, I'm going to miss the game. I'm definitely going to be there. Um, so we were just kind of in the hospital going through that entire day being like, well, when's he going to come? Am I going to be able to fly out? I was talking with Berkey at the time who was kind of scheduling going back and forth between it. And it was an absolute whirlwind. Um, <laughs> so Levi gets born, my son, right. And it was enough time. So Berkey's like, listen, I can get you a flight the day of the game. I think it was at like 11. So Levi was born in the middle of the night where I ended up getting to hang out with him a little bit, get a little bit of sleep, not much, to be honest. Um, and then fly out to the game and played that night. So landed in Winnipeg, I think at about one o'clock was rooming with Mercer Timmis at the time. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Fly up to the hotel room. Mercer's like, you're here. Like I'm getting texts from coaches and stuff. He goes, I'm going to leave. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to leave. You can sleep until yeah. the game. Sure enough, slept to the game. So, Dane, have you talked about some of that? Have you figured out what that's going to look like? Yeah. So, and that's funny because I remember that was like the first year I got to travel. So, I remember we left on your story and we were all like, I, I guess Daly's not coming. Like, <laughs> somebody else is going to have to play free, you know. And, and then you showed up at the game, you know, because me and Jeremiah were roommates. You showed up at the game. We we're like, what the hell? He's here. So, I, I remember that part of your story. But, uh yeah, so for mine, um, yes, I have talked to uh, Tamara. Um, she's going to be the one that's kind of like coordinating our flights and stuff like that. So worst case scenario, you know, is like I have to land like basically what you had to do, but in reverse. Like say I had to land uh, wherever we're playing that week and fly back. And then who would kn who knows if I'd be able to go back again. But um, yeah, I definitely told, you know, all the coaches, everybody, especially during contract time, I told them, I was like, look, this is our due date. I'm not missing it. Like, there's no way I'm missing this. And 
you know how Coach O and everybody is up there. They were like, we would never expect you to, you know, pick the game over your family or anything like that. So it's been it's been fantastic. They've been working with me. And uh, like you said, though, it's just going to be like at the last minute, we're going to have to just do what we got to do and make it work. So, yeah, and hopefully for your sake, it happens, you know, midweek. So worst yeah. case, you got to miss a practice or not. But no doubt. Lisa, I, I did want to ask you about what the feeling is like, because I know this is, you know, big storyline between you and Soli being together for so long. And, and now this is your first season going in where it's like, okay, Dane, you're the guy. Right. You know what I mean? It, what is that some weight off your shoulders? Is it the same that you would normally approach it? You know what I mean? Cause I know, you know, you're a competitor and all that kind of stuff, but is there a little bit of weight off your shoulder? Is it kind of nice to think like, okay, now I'm going in and we're kind of getting prepared for the season as opposed to me just, you know, competition every single day. Right. What, what's that kind of feel like for you going into training camp? Um, I guess the best way to answer it is to me, it feels the same, honestly, because like I've told you guys, both of you guys before I prepare to come in and be the guy all the time. Like my preparation doesn't change how I train in the off season, whatever, none of that changes, but I would be lying if I said it doesn't feel different, like from like everybody else is like how they receive me or how they, not how they talk to me or anything, but it's just like, I can tell that other people are like fully believing in me. You know what I mean? If that's, that's kind of like a hard way to explain it. But so for me, nothing has changed, but I can tell that like other guys and other other coaches, other people just around are like fully like prepared for me to do it. And uh, that's what I've always wanted. So now there's like, I don't feel any pressure or anything. I'm just like, this is why I worked for my whole life. It's all I've ever wanted to do ever since I was like three years old. That's all I've ever wanted to do. So like I'm living the dream, man. And I know there's going to be tough days. I know there's going to be great days, but I'm here for the long haul. And I'm, I'm super thankful and excited to get, get this thing rolling, man. We're so close. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing, right? I mean, like you said, it's just how people are going to talk to you and how they're going to see you. And there's going to be no difference. I, I kind of knew that was going to be your answer just because of the type of person you are. Right. Um, but I do want to talk about one thing when you were going back and forth with Soli during the season, right? What a lot of people don't understand is so you have to come in halfway through the game for whatever reason, right? Guy in front of you gets hurt guy in front of you is not playing well, whatever it might be. You have to come in halfway through the game, and then now you're judged on that half of the game. But what people don't understand is how tough was that because they don't see that you didn't take any reps all week. Zero. Right? Zero, zero reps. reps. People yes. don't understand that. You take zero reps. And it's not – yeah, there's a base offense that you guys run that you've taken reps in training camp, but there's a lot of game plan stuff that you've had no reps, no timing, no experience, no running it before. And now you're also expected to jump in there. And not even just you, right? Reverse, reverse roll, solely coming in for you when you hurt your neck. Same thing. How, how tough is that? Just give people perspective on how tough that is to come in halfway through the game, right? Because it's like that with every position, but quarterback's yeah. a different world. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it is like that to an extent with every position, but I'm glad you said that last part. It's like, it would be like the equivalent of just pulling some random person out of the stands at a golf event and being like, go hit this, like, go play this hole. Like, here's my clubs. These aren't your clubs. Go, go play this hole completely. Love that. Yeah. And, and it's like, are you going to do it or not? You know, because everybody's <laughs> going to be watching you. And uh, so for me, I, th- I think really Mike, the only thing, not that saved me, but that helped me in that situation was um, just kind of how I prepare, man. Like there's a, there definitely is something said to when you get all the reps, right? Like you're, you're, you're physically in it. Like you're, you know, where everybody's going to be on every play. But I felt like last year, I really tried to mentally almost over-prepare and do a lot of like what Coach O talks about, a lot of just visual visualization of just like, you saw me last year. Anytime I wasn't in, I was behind Jeremiah at practice doing the rep, like as if I was doing it. Um, and that's not unique. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks do that. But I, and then I would go home and I would rewatch practice and do the same thing again. That way I could double up on my reps. So even the weeks I didn't play physically, I didn't get those reps. But mentally, I was doing everything I could to stay in it and do it. Um, 
And, you know, yeah, it was, it was extremely tough for me. And when that happened in the reverse order, I know it was extremely tough on him. Um, and, and the other caveat on that is sometimes it can throw the defense off. Right. But it's like, you got to have everybody else believing in you too, you know? So, and they, and they know what you're dealing with too. They know who took all the reps all week. So it kind of just encompasses everybody. I have a, a quick follow-up on that one that I'm interested in because I just hearing you talk about the, the, mental challenge of going obviously there's the physical challenge and the the scheme is is maybe not perfectly fit to you that week but you've been sitting in and you've been trying to absorb it but there is a level the word that comes to mind for me maybe just because i was a coward when i played uh but it's fear is like there's sometimes there's a level of fear when somebody goes down and again mcmaster reference kyle quinlan in a playoff game my first year in university dane uh, our star quarterback gets blasted in the head probably shouldn't have stayed in immediately without even hearing anything from the coaches, I turned and sprinted for my helmet. Cause I'm like, he's dead. I have to go out on the field right now. Yeah. And I went and grabbed my helmet, came back and they're like, no, 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 no. He's good. He's good. He's good. And it's like, he stayed in the game and he was all right. And he played it out and he played pretty well. And, but it's like in that moment, there's like this thing of fear when you're the number two or you're the backup or you're the guy who's in a rotation where it's like, you just get thrown into that spot and you've gone through that since you've been in Hamilton in a variety of different ways and different reasons. When was the last time you were a moment of, okay, yep, it's happening. I got to go do the thing because I feel like you're pretty in touch with yourself when it comes to understanding how you feel in games, the way you talk about it. Yeah. Honestly, the last time that happened to me was in 2019 when Jeremiah went down Um, and and he was, I mean, I, I'll stand here and say this. I've said it before. He was going to be the MOP that year, no doubt. I mean, he was playing lights out. Maybe the only person that would have gave him a run for that was Sean Thomas Erlington, and then he got hurt, you know, the week before. So there was no doubt in my mind Jeremiah's about to be the MOP. We were off to a great start. And, uh, yeah, when he went down like that, it was just like I can remember, like, it wasn't necessarily fear. It was like my – my body was like buzzing. I was like, yeah. but, but because it was, maybe there was a little bit of fear, but also like it's go time, man. Like this is it. Like, this is really the first time. Like I had played before in like mop up duty, but it was like, we were only up by like four against Winnipeg at that point. So it was like, you got a ball game to go win. So, and uh, yeah, then obviously the first time it's just, I'm out there just trying to complete passes. Right. Like just keep the thing rolling. Don't do anything stupid, you know? So, uh, yeah, but but really last year in the East Final, whenever Coach O told me, like, you're in, that didn't happen that time. I was just like, I don't want to sound rude, but I was like, hell yeah, man, like, let's go. Like, I've been waiting, you know, so. I just, I laugh at that. People might not understand why I'm laughing if you're not watching the video, but it's because, like, yeah, you have the innate confidence, but also I'm just thinking, yeah, you looked really nervous while you were completing 100% of those passes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, there was a little bit of uh, anger behind that one, but, uh, yeah, it, it turned out for the better, so. And, yeah. and that's the one thing I do want to put to bed. And I saw it, you know, pop up on Twitter a little bit. I'm not sure if you pay attention to it or you saw it at all, but this whole thing about you and Mazzoli just not being teammates. You guys, like, you guys hate not each being, other. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Cause it was absolutely outrageous. And you actually touched on it. You were like, well, the next guy that comes in when somebody gets hurt with the guys around them are kind of like, well, you know, maybe not as much confidence. That's I'm going to disagree with you there. Because I think on the entire offensive side of the ball, it was just one of those things where, listen, every other guy was, well, whoever's in, we're, we're good. We're rolling. Yeah. We got two of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. And what people don't realize is behind the scenes, you and Soli were about as good as friends as you could have, which actually I think probably helped you guys, right? Because I've been in those situations too with Courtney, with Tunde, where you're both playing at such a high level that it actually helps both of the guys because you're both talking about it, both seeing it. And because you guys are so close, I think that definitely raised both of your games. And, you know, this year is going to be fantastic to watch both of you play for right. a time, right? That's going to be awesome. But I want to put that to bed and, and I want to give you a shot to be like, yeah, listen, like we, we weren't anywhere close to enemies. Like we were as good yeah. as friends as could be. Right. Is, is yeah. that is absolutely true? Absolutely, man. Like, and I'm so glad, Marshall, that you jumped in on Twitter and, and said that because like, you know me, I'm not going to like go Twitter beef with people. But yeah, it was just like it it got old um, eventually. And I definitely could see how like people not in the facility and not associated with us all the time could like that's the obvious storyline. Right. But 
I mean, both of y'all know how it was with us. We, me and Jeremiah last year, when we got to training camp before we did that quarantine, um, we, we had a fantastic conversation, dude, like, like true heart to heart moment. And we basically walked away with that from that conversation saying like, it really does not matter to us. We just don't want to cause a divide in the team. Like we, cause we know whoever is playing that week, even if it was going to switch every week, that guy earned it. And the other guy was just as ready too, you know? So we were like, we just can't let this cause a divide in the team. We can't let the team be split because like, like I've said it before, but we're just a position on the field, right? Like we, there are bigger things on this team. Um, and like, if you just walk out there with one quarterback against 12 defenders, it's not going to work out very well for you. So like we, we knew we had to keep everybody rolling and, I was just so thankful really to to you guys, Mike, to like that y'all that there never was even close to that, like a divide happening or anything. And I think and then when you throw in Dave, too, when we both were hurt and then Dave Watford comes in and does his thing like that. That's yeah, the what, team three game, in a row. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it didn't matter last year. Just put someone back there and let us go, you know, and that's that's how all three of us viewed it. Me and Jeremiah, definitely no bad blood or anything like we I've talked to him recently, just shooting the shit, shooting the breeze. Like we're just, we're friends. We're just guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and not even no bad blood, literally just buddies. Yeah, exactly. Like, like <laughs> I'm going to be anytime Ottawa's playing, as long as they're not playing us, I want them to win. Like it's going to be as simple as that. Well, you know what I mean? Playoff push though. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh yeah. Anytime closing. we play them, I'm going to want to beat them. And I know he's yeah. going to want to beat us. <laughs> like it's going to be the same. It's going to be the same thing, you know? So but uh, yeah, it, I'm like you said, I'm very excited to see both of us get the opportunity like this and um, definitely be keeping keeping an eye from afar for sure. The, uh, yeah. the, the moment that I knew that you guys were close, because I understand enough from, again, my own background experience, but also being around the CFL, you can tell when a starting quarterback and a backup quarterback or dual quarterbacks, tandem quarterback, whatever you want to see in terms of structure, you can tell when they're close, usually from warmups. Like that, that's something that always jumps out to me. And you're a quarterback lifer, Dane. So, you know, this like guys, you've been around, if you've been in toxic situations, good situations, great situations, you can tell in the warm up how you're interacting. And it's not always necessarily when everybody comes out and the pads are on and it's, you know, stretch lines or anything. It's usually four hours before the game. And that was the thing that jumped out for me watching you and, and Jeremiah was as soon as you got a dress roster spot you're out there with him and you guys are playing receiver for each other and you're talking to each other about routes and you're working your way through the route tree and you're working on different shoulder exercises to get yourself loose together. It's like guys that don't like each other. Don't do that shit. No. Yeah. Which, which is why it's like, if anybody were to show up early enough to the game to sit in the stands and watch you guys help each other prepare, why would you ever think that you did not like each other? Yeah, exactly. And, and you nailed it. Perfect. I mean, and we kind of would joke about it. Like when he, when he was, when he got the nod, anytime he had the nod, I was wide receiver number one for him in warmups. Like I, I threw to just be warm, but like I was, you saw it. I was actually running the routes, obviously <laughs> not very well, but I was running them. And for me, it was great cardio, got my heart rate up. And for him, he was getting to hit guys on the move. He was getting his, he was getting his fine tuning in. And then weeks that I got the nod, Literally, it just reversed. Like he would run the routes, I would throw it in. And it, it, you're exactly right. I've actually never really thought of it like that. But yeah, I mean, we we stayed on the same routine all the time. And yeah, it was like if we truly didn't like each other, it would have been very hard to do that. Yeah. And and that's the other thing too. Like what people don't understand is you know you kind of just the situation we're in, you just do as best as you can do and let everything fall into place after. But I want to get off that topic because this is, it's your show now and I'm excited. I'm excited to watch it. Right. And I'm excited. I know what you can do. I think a lot of people know what you can do now, but I want to get your take on this new hash mark perspective, mm-hmm. because the way I look at it from a defensive standpoint, as I look and I go, the will is in trouble. Yeah. There is a lot of space because, you know, you could kind of get away with it, getting a half or a corner to help out that will while he had to play gap and play his coverage. Yeah. But now with them a little bit closer, I think that boundary side is going to be even more of a target, right? Yes. I know the field sides was talked about, but that boundary side is now huge, huge space. And what, what's your take on, I want to know, you know, 
maybe give me a little information on what you and Tommy talked about. Not too much, but yeah, no, yeah. no. Yeah. Um, I agree. And you're actually one of the first people that I agree with because everybody has been talking about, they think there's just going to be this like assault on the field side. <laughs> and like, if you watch any of our tape from the last two seasons, us and maybe Montreal are the only team that would still throw to the Z. Like, I mean, you've seen us do it in practice every day. Like, we the, obviously that receivers probably use the least of the five, but if you look at any other teams, Z, our guys always had more catches than them, you know. Um, so I think we'll keep doing the same stuff we've done, but I think you're exactly right with the hashes coming in four yards. That's 12 feet on each side. Now the will, and I really think the boundary half is also in trouble too, just because like I think there's going to be more uh, rotations on the back end of the defense to try to get guys back into the box and spinning around. Um, I think there's going to be more teams playing kind of that tie cat coverage where it's more like true cover four across the back end. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, that makes sense to me. Just if you can get more guys on the box, especially if the box is going to be condensing down and you got, you kind of got to pick your poison now. So um, I think you'll see teams do a lot more RPOs. Um, and I, I don't think it's really going to cause this like field assault that everyone's talking. Don't get me wrong. It's great for the offense. Every role change they did is fantastic for the offense because like, <laughs> none of them were against our favor, you know? And I, I couldn't believe they did all those changes in one year, but I'm not going to complain about it. But um, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, and I think what, what else comes into play too is I think there's going to be, and this is just me guessing, but a lot more formation in the boundary, right? 23 sets, stuff like that. And I think you're going to see more bubbles because they work so well to the field because there's a lot yeah. of space. But that's going to be another uh, – I mean, it's – like you said, it's that half and that will. They're yep. going to be in a tough spot. But I think it's – I think it's cool. I think it's a nice little switch up that they, they're they doing. And like you said, yeah. everything's for the offense always. Yeah, I right? know. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, honestly, Mike, when I when I saw those rules change, I, I literally was sitting there like, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe yeah. they changed all this stuff. Um, I guess the one thing on the soapbox is I'm so glad they did not go four downs. I – I don't want to be a part of it. If it goes four downs, like we're just the XFL, man. Like even on a wider field, I don't, I don't want to do it. Three downs is what makes this game great. Three downs is really the only thing that gives the defense a shot now, like yeah. in theory. Right. So um, I, I, four downs would be great, obviously for offense, but I, I love the challenge of three downs. That, that's what makes it Canadian to me and uh, never change the downs. Don't take the stripes off the ball and I'll be a happy man. It's funny because I was talking to somebody at East West Bowl practice today, Dane, who said the effect of the hashes is, yeah, it's going to be boundary on top of the field, but it's also going to be the run game. If you're playing man and you're further out, right, from the splits, then you're going to have more of those outside zone just gashing runs. But uh, I want to know just quick here, what is your uh, maximum dreamed up perfect play to screw over Will linebackers? Because to me, I'm thinking like, just four by one quads to the field. And all of a sudden, Oh, look, there's a running back that's running a corner route out to the boundary, like something like that. What do you have in mind? What would you cook yeah. up? If you were just like, I'm just going to cook this well linebacker. Cause he can't cover. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, that's definitely on top of the list. We were actually talking about things like that today. Um, but if you're asking me and it's a perfect world, I'm going, I always call them a front side RPO. So I go 32 set three to the field, two to the boundary. And I would go actually run um, like inside zone to my left so at the will into the boundary but i would be front side reading him oh, on front of it because they never they never expect it. i've done it my whole life never in college all the time so as never. soon as he comes in the box just replace him with the hitch or or if you really want to get crazy have the boundary receiver the slot run like a like a quick out and really he's just trying to peel off that corner and have the X on just a delayed slant. And I'm telling you, man, you just hit it, and there is literally nobody left. The free, the free safety is the one that has to make the play. Toronto was the first team that I saw do that in my entire CFL career, yep. is go front side read yep. on the zone RPO. And it blew my – I remember sitting there being like, this – anybody can coach against this. Anytime they run zone this side, they're throwing. I used to have free safety. When the quarterback would turn this way, I would be – Gone. The other side. Because <laughs> no one's ever throwing backside. I'd be yeah. gone and out of there, running to corners. Yeah. And the first team that you see do that, and I know it happens all the time in the States, probably did yep. Tulsa. But boom, you run and you read that front. 
now you're sitting back there going, oh, my God. Now they can exactly. throw over here, over there. I don't know what to do. And, and it really helps the run game because if the will is cognizant of that and he stays out of the box, like Marsh was saying, now, now that everybody's further apart, it's going to be a gash. And if you go back and watch my tape at Tulsa, I mean, half the time you can't even see our outside receivers. Their split was literally one yard off the sideline. And the slot receivers were told never to come inside the hashes ever, like huh. get out there. And that was all for the run game. That's all it was because it puts guys in conflict. That's why you and Soli got along so well. You had those damn Oregon duck splits. It was, <laughs> I'm telling you, our big splits. Yeah, like you couldn't find them on film some of the times. They were just like a guy would come out of the frame and just be there. That's great. Yeah. Man, I love where this conversation went. You get, I get so <laughs> excited when it starts getting into this kind of stuff. But um, listen, Dane, I know – I want to be respectful of your time and want to get you out here and, you know, get you ready for this season. There's, is there a little nerves coming up for training camp? Because I'll be the one to say it, you don't have to be training camp sucks. Yeah. The, no, line, yeah. the length of training camp sucks, all that kind of stuff. There's definitely a, a oh, training camp again, but it's needed. Preseasons are needed. Yeah. Um, but are you, are you excited, nervous? What, what's yeah, you're definitely right. Training camp is always like it's always like fun with an asterisk, right? Like it's yeah. great. It's it's the greatest thing ever because we're out there playing ball every day, but yeah. we're out there playing ball every day. You know what I mean? Every so it's day. like, geez, my feet are hurting, my arms hurting. But no, man, I'm stoked for it. Um, I'm excited to see what me and Tommy have been cooking up. I'm excited to see it practical on the field. Um, I think it's we're playing to a lot of our strengths, um, scheme wise and also personnel wise. Um, I think there's going to be some big surprises about our personnel this year. Um, I'm super excited to see some of the young guys we had last year come back. Um, I think like what? Gonna, give me, give me a surprise. Like so what? I think, I think guys like Jake Burt and Tyler Ternowski are really going to turn some heads. I'm talking like really, really turn some heads. I agree. Um, with you. I think even a guy like Poppy White is going to come onto the scene. And I'm just saying, when y'all see Tim White for the first time, I saw him a couple months ago in California. My man has been doing his upper body this offseason. That's all I'm going to say. And, and he has not lost a step. I mean, you know he's world-class speed. But That's he, uh, I'm, I'm just excited to get everybody everybody back. I'm loving how our O-line came together, too. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm loving that. Yeah, congratulations on the uh, Kyle Sachs that selected eighth, yeah. o- eighth overall last night. That's a nice one. Yeah. <laughs> that was – I first person I texted about was Mike Jones because, um, you know, me and Mike are tight. So – I was like, tell me this guy can play. And he just sent me back the uh, smirking emoji. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty confident that's a good, that's a good suggestion. <laughs> All right, Dane, listen, appreciate you coming on here. Appreciate you taking some time and the best of luck. I, I know you're going to kill it. I'm excited to watch. I know Marsh is too. We've talked about a lot, but I'm very, very excited to watch you play this year, man. It's going to be fun. Thanks, dude. I, I appreciate y'all, and thanks for having me on here. This was this was great. I would definitely love to do it again. You know how camp goes. Um, great to see you guys, and thanks for everything, man. Hey, make sure y'all. make sure that nursery is done before the season starts, okay? It's yeah. done. Finished yeah. it last week. Nice. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Nice. From, from two fellow dads, congratulations. Yeah. That's a big one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>